How long were you a cop? I was um, 28 years. Wow. Wow. That's yeah, a good long time. Yeah, I was with uh, multiple agencies. I, I did various, um, I worked various positions. Uh, patrolman. Uh, I was in a. Well, everybody spot. starts down there, right? As a patrolman. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it has to. Yeah. Then I went up to became a detective. I became a homicide crimes and crimes against persons detective, economic crimes, um, property crimes. I was also a forensics detective for a certain period of time. Um, I've got you know very experience. Uh, there's not there's not much that I didn't do within the field during that time period, and it was with multiple agencies. So well, that's I mean, it sounds like you're well rounded, and as far as the work you've been doing, you know, very uh, you know, it's suited for it. You know, coming from a um, a scientific approach, I, I, which I I mean I don't I don't down anyone who says they're taking a completely and total. Uh, uh, scientific approach because some people out there in the, in, in the paranormal community, whatever genre, what have you, will will kind of you know look down on that and 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 already pass judgment as if you're not going to accept anything at all that anyone may say just because it sounds uh, way way out of the norm. Yeah. It- I investigate a lot of weird things, and every now and then I have to ground myself and say, "Well, I have to step back because, you know, I have to I have to maintain my objectivity on these things. And uh, if I can't maintain my objectivity on these things, then I'm worthless as an investigator. And I'll I'll hand it off to somebody else, um, especially if it gets really really weird. And I'm and I know that I can't handle it. I know my limitations, and I know what I can do and what I cannot do, what I have the authority to do, and so forth. But, uh, you know, it's uh, – every now and then you have to ground yourself in this field because it can get really, really weird. Wow. Really. And real fast, too. And I got another question. You know, earlier you mentioned about um, – it wasn't you. It was uh, your wife. It was Bobby. Bobby mentioned about disappearances. Now, 411, David uh, – Mr. David Politis's work. What what uh, what do you think about – have you – are you familiar with this work? Yes, I am. I, it's got a series of books. I, I'm familiar with what he's uh, printed. Uh, I think it's interesting. A lot of the cases he has published are very interesting, especially the circumstances surrounding um, the disappearance and when they recover some of these people. Yes. Either dead or alive. It's mm-hmm. very strange. I um, don't think that uh, – do, do you know of – because I, I, I try to keep up because I personally think that his – the way he put that work together – you know, is phenomenal. Very matter of fact, broken down. And see, I, I, I'm a career military man. I retired. And, and so, you know, in the military, you know, everything is laid out succinct. It's, to read a military manual, it's it's the most driest, bo- most boring reading that you could ever do in your life. But it's very, laid out. Very structured. Very yeah. structured, very straightforward, all the way down, step by step, one, two, three, four, all by the numbers. And, and what from, you know, I haven't, I've not had a chance to completely read a book. I've read excerpts, uh, his book, excuse me, his first one, excerpts. And it's just amazing the way he laid it out. I, I totally liked, liked it. Yeah. Now he's very, he's, he lays it out in a factual. Yes. Like, like a yes. Report. Yes. Yes. Factual, and that's very matter of fact, very to the point. So um, I guess what I was getting at with that is you being a law enforcement officer and you, being very familiar with the the format, the style in which he writes, would you say that 
Uh, well, maybe now this question, I, it's kind of hard to, to word it properly, but would you attribute potentially, potentially, would you attribute some of those disappearances to the Sasquatch or the Dogman? Potentially, yeah, I, guess I think it's a possibility. I think there was one account where he um, talked about uh, one little boy that was missing. And uh, I think it was a, uh, several miles distant. There was a couple of hikers um, walking the trail, and they saw something large, dark, furry, carrying something on its shoulders. The Dennis Martin case. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the, the, the object that they, this thing was carrying had the same coloring of clothing that the kid was supposedly wearing when he disappeared. Um, I think it's a distinct possibility. Um, I, with any degree of certainty, I can't say that. But um, there's something going on, and it's something really strange. I, th- I know this one is account that uh, struck me as strange and could be a connection. There was a uh, mountain biker who was practicing. He did a lot of competition. I can't remember his name. He was doing a mountain bike trail. And all of a sudden, he stopped because he had a problem with his bike. And all of a sudden, he heard a growl or something like that. And all of a sudden, he had this um, intense uh, feeling or emotion to start removing his clothing. And he said he started removing his clothing, and one of his uh, one of the you know people that rode with him came up on him, and he had removed most of removed most of his clothing, had folded them up and put them on the ground. And it was rather cold that day, um, and he couldn't understand why he did that until he started you know reading accounts where some of these people that disappeared in these 411 books were found with their clothing removed and neatly folded like on a rock in the middle of a river or something. Um, but, uh, this growling could have been, you know, a panther or something like that, um, that had some type of ability to hypnotize or affect somebody psychologically where they would feel hot and would have to remove their clothing. Um, uh, supposedly the Sasquatch has that ability. Um, right. With the infrasound. Yeah, the infrasound. Um, so I'm, I'm of the opinion that it's, it's very possible, but with, with any degree of certainty, I can't say for sure. that. So what's your take on the reptilians? <clears throat> okay, we're getting into um, ufology now. Um, um, there's a lot of uh, accounts of people who are being abducted by a reptilian type of creature. Um it could have been demonic. I'm not sure. Um, I th- there's a there's a guy who works for MUFON. He's a state section director, or was working in Florida. He was working. He was also working on the abduction phenomena, and he came to the conclusion that people who and he's he interviewed a lot of people, and uh, he started getting into the point where I think that what stopped at abduction and people who started to pray or invoke the name of Jesus Christ would stop an abduction, especially with these reptilian beings. Um, and he started doing some research and found out that uh, people who actually prayed or, um, you know, amended their life in certain ways, the abduction experiences would stop, um, which I thought was interesting. And I can't quite remember his name right now. Uh, I don't know if he's still working that particular area or not. But that also, when I was with uh, MUFON, that struck a chord in me, and that's what got me also involved in the uh, paranormal aspect of things. Um, what was his name? I can't quite remember it. Well, it's, you know, the whole deal with the reptilians. You know, one, thing I, one thing I say for sure is this, is that 
whether this dimension, any other dimension, you know, the way I see it, God rules over all. He's creator of it all. Of it all. So, you know, I, I just, when, when it comes down to reptilians, uh, um, any type of extraterrestrial biological entity, um, you know, I think of it like this, you know, most people probably don't say it, but it's, it's, you think instantly you think superior technology, you know, leaps and bounds above what we have. So, you know, you got to think the medical field is, is affected by all that and everything else. And, and, and quite possibly they're, they're mentally, they've, they, they've, uh, you know, they're so far ahead of us there that, that to um, hypnotize us is, is nothing but a drop in the bucket in order to capture us. Right. And so would you, what is your take on maybe the dogman and or the Sasquatch being hypnotized and abducted as well? That's that's a possibility. As far as them hypnotizing and abducting, abducting people? No, no. The 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 the. I guess you could say the the EBEs, extra bi- extraterrestrial biological entities, hypnotizing the Sasquatch and or the Dogman and abducting them. I don't know. Um, I really don't know. Uh, I really can't answer that. Um, I I think you know if there's really, some type of physical I've never being explored that aspect of it, but it sounds interesting. Um, because we've gotten quite a few interesting stories about that particular um, topic where people reported witnessing ETs with a dog man. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say a, a lot of stories. I mean, what, like maybe. Okay. A few. I'm sorry. Let me correct myself. I'm sorry, folks. A two? few. Yeah. I think maybe two. Two. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, darn. I just I, I'm completely you know out of it now. I'm sorry. I know I know a lot of a dogman and Bigfoot sightings were occurred during times of UFO flaps in certain specific areas. Yeah, which which, yeah. which leads lends credence to the to the idea, Rick, that you have that it's all connected. And and I try to tell people that, but then I get backlash. My show is called Paranormal Roundtable. Okay, me and Sal's show, but. It, people now are calling paranormal just the spiritual, whatever. That's like the, it's like the term that paranormal to me is anything that's out of the realm of normality. It's it's the unknown, exactly. the you know? preternatural altogether, as you say. It's, it's all, all of encompassing. It. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I just don't. I don't look at it as like okay, the paranormal is different from the study of Bigfoot, Dogman, Loch Ness monster. It's all you know. We're trying. It's all the unknown. Right. You know, we, we went over different names of what to call our, ourselves, and we thought roundtable because we're going to have these roundtable discussions. Right. And, it, and it's three words because if you can imagine a round table, that means it's a circle. It all begins. Yeah. There's no beginning, no, no end. end. It's, it's all round. comes around. Yeah. You know. Right. I guess we should have called it into the unknown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah, that would have been more. Been little, I think that, that term is being overused. Exactly. So, That's what I thought, I too. It sounds was like, a whole lot better. Yeah. I just thought paranormal roundtable because it's the round, t- you know, and I can't even take credit for it. I don't. Who did come up with the name originally? I think we all did. Thought, it was, I thought, we I thought Nelly it was Nelly was the one that actually, she started with the paranormal. Mm-hmm. She started with the word paranormal, and then we just took it from there and ran with it. I don't know who said roundtable. I don't remember if it was me or you or we were all just brainstorming. We were brainstorming, yeah, and it came out, and we just said, "Yeah, that's it." But we. We will break it up in two words yeah. because there was already one. There was with, already, yeah. So we, was had, already... <laughs> we, had to, we had to break it up in <laughs> yeah. three words. Actually, yeah. Three words. Yeah. And so, but it, 
we, we talk about anything and everything. And folks at home listening, we don't, you know, when people come on the show and they talk, I may agree with some of it. I may agree with all of it. I may agree with none of it. But it's, it's I let the guests have their, their experience. experience and what they, and you're going to get people that are going to be like, oh, you know, that's not correct. Because th- if you believe in God, they act like they have a problem with that. If you don't believe in God, they have a problem with that. It doesn't matter what, you're not going to please everybody. Yeah, you're not. And and unfortunately, Sal is going to be taken off, and I'm going to finish this interview. Yeah, I've got another engagement, but it's been wonderful talking with you guys, Rick and and Bobby. We hope to have you guys back. You know, Thanks so but much. Don't, but don't 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 leave Thanks. yet because I, I still have a couple questions oh, for you. He's he's full of questions. Sal Rick. Sal is going to take off because he's rude. He's yeah, rude I, like unfortunately. that. He doesn't. If, if your if your if your listeners want a connection. They should read the book Skinwalker Ranch. Oh yeah, that's oh, a good one. I've God, read that. We've heard so much about that. I've book. read I've, it. I've not had a chance to read it yet. But why I've not? So- You're retired. What are you doing that you can't read these books? Okay, I have children, school age children. She's school age children. They're all your last one's about to graduate. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah you should. <laughs> that's one. You should understand the challenges. You don't have a girl. Oh, you know what? I had, I had Zane, and that was bad enough. Anthony no. and, and Tony were easy to deal with. That, that they weren't. Zane was the was the Zane. If you're listening, you you were the problem child. You made me crazy. <laughs> I was up at his school so much that Miss Quinones had a had my own name tag in the drawer. She would just pull it out and throw it to Miss me. Miss Quinones goes, "Here you go." And she would tell me which <laughs> wing he was in, and I knew that school like the back of my hand. It was a big school too, yeah. <laughs> big five A school, and I knew where to go. Well, it was a pleasure. I've got a bolt, but. Wolf's going to finish it out for you guys. Hey, we want to have you back again, so we'll be in touch after all this other stuff. And then, Wolf, you've got the last of the segment. It's all you. Yeah, is is that okay if you guys, if we do the last 30 minutes or so together? Certainly, that's good. Yeah, yeah. that's fine with me. We're unencumbered by idiots now. Yes, yes, I'm out of here. I am the village. <laughs> have a village to tend to, uh, okay? <laughs> Somewhere nice to a village is missing you. <laughs> you bet. Yeah. So I have a que- I have a question for you though, Bobby. Did you reach out to Sal instead of me? Because that hurts my feelings. That really hurts my feelings. <laughs> I'm like so so yeah. Uh, in all honesty, uh, I think um, it was a friend request, and I said, "Oh, he does paranormal uh, roundtable." I said, "Well, let me just you know message him because uh, I had actually intended to reach out to you because I knew you from being on Dogman Encounters." And it just happened the way it worked that Sal had sent me a request, and I just said, "Well, let me." Uh, let me just message him while it's on my brain. So, so that's how that worked out. So don't be offended. Oh, okay. Well, I still am. That's right. <laughs> so anyways, Sal was, was being rude and talking about other interviews. Sal, can you, can you please stop? You've already been, we've, they've shown, you've shown your true hand, your true colors to these people. He's got a school age child at home who probably doesn't care if you're there or not. Cause she's a teenage girl. She's good. Smart kid too. Yeah, well, she runs circles around you, dude. That's. I said she runs circles around you, Sal. I tell you what. Uh, so I had a couple questions for you, Bobby and and Rick. I, you okay? You guys, you do these investigations, and one of the things you had talked about earlier when we were talking about the investigations, uh, you said there was a doll involved. Yeah, a doll. Okay. Now I was always wondering. Okay, like okay, is this? I mean, is it, it like these these entities that have the? Because I wanted to do a show about haunted objects. Not I've already done one, but it was more about my experience. What happened? But I was given a couple stories about objects, and one was an antique doll. Now I've always wondered, like, 
what is the connection? Like, I don't know how to word, put it into words. So, so I can tell you a couple of, a couple of stories about haunted objects. So, so this doll, she, so this lady, like I said, she uh, collected antique toys and she would rummage through uh, thrift stores and, and buy these uh, old toys. And this doll was not cute. It was, it was kind of ugly. I have no idea why she, she says she found it in a, in a bin, you know, like, you know, discounted bin of just discarded, you know, toys. And what made her want this doll, even to this day, she'll tell you, you know, I, I don't know. Cause it wasn't cute. It had been, it had been played with me. It was well worn. Um, but she, you know, and some kid, you know, it cut its hair and stuff. And, uh, cause that's what, if you're a girl, if you have a doll, you always end up cutting their hair, right. Being the uh, hairstylist. Um, she just, she just wanted this doll. Um, they were a little, uh, apprehensive about it. When they went to, on the Montel Williams show, they actually told the producers that if they wanted to bring the doll on the show, they did not want that doll to fly on the same airplane up to New York that they were taking to go to the show. Now, they, it just creeped them out. I, I can't remember. If, I, I don't think that there was anything um, really negative, um, you know, bad things that happened around the doll. They just thought it was really creepy. It would move around. That was the thing. It would appear. It would just appear in random places. And that's what, you know, freaked them out. Um, now, our our neighbor uh, next door. So, so we live in, um, in a 200 year old house. So we have our own ghost, ghost stories from our house. Our neighbor lives in a, and that's next door to us. His house is at least antebellum. So at least, you know, probably, uh, 150 years old at least. And he does reenacting. So he's done civil war reenacting, world war one, world war one, world war two. And he actually has a German flag that was captured um, that he, that he has, that he keeps, and he has tons of guns and stuff. I'm like, he should have all kinds of crazy mess happening in his house because he buys these authentic, you know, authentic items from, from these different wars. Well, this flag, his, uh, his ex-wife, um, they had this German flag. Uh, he had it out cause I don't know if they were going to use it for a reenactment. And she woke up and saw this blonde hair kid and the clothes he was wearing his outfit would fit that of a German soldier. But the but to hear her describe it, I mean, when I think about, you know, the German soldiers, I think about the Nazis and, and the swastikas, and that's kind of the imagery that, that we get. That's not what um, a lot of the soldiers would have actually worn in the field of battle. Her description of this boy fits that. So... Put, so he thought, oh, well, that's that's weird. Um, and he, you know, they did their reenactment. He puts the flag back up, gets it out sometime later. And he had a girl, a different, so he's, he's divorced from his wife. He's got a girlfriend. And she looks out and she sees, and not knowing this other story, sees the exact same kid, this young blonde hair boy with the same description of the shirt and, and, the, and, and everything, the exact same thing. Um, this happened three different occasions. So now he actually will not take that flag out. It stays locked up in, in a cabinet that he has um, in his house. And his what he thinks is that that boy, maybe he died trying to 
defend the flag, and that's why he stays with the flag. But I've heard of people um, having haunted chairs <laughs> that they buy, you know, the pick up something at a flea market. For me personally, I don't do antiques. The only antiques I have came from my family. So at least if it's going to be haunted, it's my family. Um, I don't do dolls at all. They've always creeped me out. I think it's because of that 1970-something movie that came out with that uh, possessed little little doll. It was a cheesy little like ABC movie, but it made a lasting impression on me at like five years old. So I don't do dolls at all. <laughs> I won't. I will not have a doll. I don't pick up dolls. Don't do. I mean, I played with Barbie dolls and things when I was when I was younger, but I don't. I do not do dolls, and I don't bring antiques in our house <laughs> for this reason. Well, that's a good policy to have if you're picking up uh, antique. You know, that's another thing. I have never been into the antique thing. When I moved into the place where I used to live, there was a mirror that was like an old. It, it just it just seemed like it was an innocuous. Like it wasn't. Um, there was nothing like that stood out, but you can tell that it was old. You know, I don't know how old it was because I don't know anything about antiques, but <clears throat> I never liked antiques i never wanted to i just never wanted to own them you know what i mean like they always creep me yeah. out i always thought that there could be something connected to it something attached to it something obsessed over it and mirrors in particular and i can't i'll tell you right now i had a friend who his ex-girlfriend she was into mirrors like she collected antique mirrors went into their house one time and I never went back. And my friend was like, well, what was the big deal? He goes, like, it's no big deal to him. And I'm just like, I don't like mirrors. I don't really, I think that there is some truth to the whole, you know, the gateway thing when it comes to mirrors. Well, yeah, and there's mirror magic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't want antique <laughs> antique mirrors either. Well, something was moving in and out of the mirrors. I don't know how, um, like, how much you've listened to my show, but... Episode two, I talk about it, and then I have two or three other people that have come on and, and talked on the show about what's, what went on in that house. I had something that was jumping in and out of the mirror. It looked like a black shadow thing. I don't know how to describe it, and it moved in and out of the mirror. And so, yeah. I, and, you know, another thing we were talking about earlier, me and Rick, uh, we, we were talking earlier about Dogman – now, I don't know, like I said, I don't know, Bobby, how much you and Rick have listened to my, my work. I was on Dogman Encounters. I've been on Dogman Encounters many times with Vic Cundiff. <clears throat> I did a show, I think it was episode 186 or 188. I'm pretty, or my, you know, it might have even been 169. There was like two, there were two or three that kind of run together for me because there were so many stories that I did around that same time period. I covered this one incident where these people, and I know these people in real life, I know these people, um, not real good friends, they're like friends of friends, but I I know them, you know, they're from the same region where I'm from. And they had an, a house, and it was an old house too, it was a real old house, so I think it was at least 100 years old. And it was out in the country, way out in the country, and they had a dog man that was, that was, messing with their house, their property, messing with their, their child coming to the window. The little boy claimed it was talking to him, talking to him while all that was going on. There was also poltergeist activity that was happening in the house. Now, when I talk about it in the, on Vic's show, 
I don't get into the the the, the spiritual poltergeist aspect of it as much because the show is about the dogman. So, but there was a lot of spiritual activity going on, and I didn't really touch on it much on Vic's show because it's more about the the flesh and blood entity uh, dogman. Even though Vic has been on my show, he's talked about how. He vacillates back and forth between believing that they're just flesh and blood and that they could be spiritual too, or there's both. But he likes to keep his show kind of based in in the the physical of of these things being physical entities. Now, there's two camps, of course, that one believes that they're they are, one believes that they're not, or that they you know, one believes that they could be. I guess you should say. We were talking earlier about that about the. You know, whenever you have uh, UFO activity, Rick, you were starting to to notice that there was the presence of uh, spirits, um, poltergeist activity. A lot of UFO activity areas, we call them flat areas, um, whether it's a lot of activity in a short period of time. Um, and in a lot of cases I investigated, the people that uh, reported these things were having poltergeist activity at the same time. And they didn't have it before these sightings nor after, which I thought was rather interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. So my question for you about that. Uh, do you, okay. Now here, here's the question for both of you. And, and I, I really don't, cause I don't know a hundred percent what I believe or don't believe about this. These things that happen. Okay. Like these UFO that where you have hot spots where the, this stuff happens, there's a flap uh, people see these Mothman type creatures. People see these werewolf looking creatures, and at the same time, there is like some sort of poltergeist activity that seems to be happening. Uh, people are seeing ghosts, spirits, whatever. Uh, like the family that 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 reached out to me, they had spiritual. I, I would call it spiritual infestation. I don't really cover that aspect of it on Vic's show, but and I and I and I, I, I want to go back and just do a, do an episode of just about the whole incident in its entirety, which would probably encompass two or three episodes on my show. But I want to go back and just just lay out all the cards when it comes to everything that was going on there because I talk about the Dogman activity. And it was physically manifesting itself. It it uh, kicked in a door, you know. It just it, it was doing things. It was physically. It was there. It was a physical entity. Now that's not the first or the last time that I have heard of dogman activity going on simultaneously when there is spiritual activity happening on a property. But I was just wondering if you guys think that it could be something interdimensional, something that, 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 that these creatures, entities, whatever you want to call them, they're not all the same. They have their unique characteristics, but they all come from the same place. They are all coming from the same uh, energy, uh, whatever you want to call it. What is your take on that? So me personally, um, up until probably a couple of years ago, I would have said, you know, things like Bigfoot, um, or dogman would have to be physical, but with everything and, and talking to other researchers who have spent lots of time in the field, lots of, uh, you know, lots of money, lots of research. Um, the only thing that makes sense to me logically is to say that they are interdimensional. 
I think that uh, there's a certain aspect of interdimensional aspect to these things. Um, there have been reports of these things stepping out of midair, stepping stepping out of lights, orbs, um, and uh, things of that sort. So I think there is an interdimensional aspect to them, which which explains why you know when when they track like uh, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, a lot of the times they track them, they'll track them through the snow, and the footprints will stop midfield right in the middle of a field not you know not in a woodline or anywhere and they don't, they just stop it's like they don't go anywhere um and that that just um tells me that it's potentially a, some type of portal thing that they go through and the fact that they bleed i mean there are there are records of people shooting bigfoot and and dogman and they bleed <laughs> one of the weirdest reports i ever got there were stories I've ever heard about a dog man, you know, and I can't, I don't, you know what? I can't even say that. I might take that back because there's been a lot of weird ones I've had. I've fielded a lot of reports. One in particular really stuck in my mind. Uh, these people were driving through the desert, in New Mexico and this dog man, what, what I would, I, I, they didn't use the word dog man. They didn't use the word reptile or anything like that. They said that this, reptile looking thing that was hunched over that was running on two legs, but was, was extremely hunched over and it looked like a lizard lizard type creature on two legs ran across the road. Okay. And it had two wolf like creatures in hot pursuit that were behind it, running behind it. One was bigger than the other. They said the first one was, was gigantic. It looked like about half the size of their car, and they they were driving in a four door uh, SUV, and it ran across the road on all fours. And they said that there was another one that was like standing on the side of the road. And as they cro- as they passed uh, after the the first uh, dog man looking creature, then the other one ran across the road. It got down. It was on. It was on two legs, and then it got down, and it ran across the road. They said it was a little bit smaller than the first one, and they it they it appeared that they were pursuing this reptilian looking creature. Yeah, there's there's a lot of reports like that that are coming in. I think uh, these types of reports are increasing. Now, I don't know if it's because people are a bit more comfortable now than they used to be reporting this stuff, but it seems like things like this are on the increase. These cryptids, these unusual cryptids, sightings and things of that sort. I don't know what to think of it, to be honest with you, at this point. Do so. you, some people believe, Rick, I don't know if you and Bobby subscribe to this, but some people believe, and I and, 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 and this is just, I have a fan base for my show, and, and I get people's, they message me all the time, and I try to be open with as many of my members of, of my groups and as many of my fan base as possible, as much of my fan base as possible, and I try to be as as uh, accessible as I can be. And so I try to answer anybody that will send me a message. I'll try to answer them or at least acknowledge them. Um, and I get some people asking me questions, like you know, and I don't always have a lot of time to answer the question fully. But one of the, one of the things that I've been getting a lot of feedback about lately is people saying that they believe that these creatures are it's it, it's leading up to something that these creatures are are coming becoming more and more prevalent and that people are seeing them more and more often and it's leading up to something and there's a reason why these creatures are manifesting themselves in our world physically some people believe that it is uh 
part of the Mandela effect that the timelines, you know, there's some people that believe in that. And there's some people that believe that we're in the end times. Um, it's just, there, there's all these different theories as to what is going on and why it's going on. Right. Yeah. You know, you have to look at the, the culture today, um, specifically last 50 to maybe 70 years, we've become more secular. We don't believe in anything other than what we can see. Um, we don't believe in anything or anybody other than ourselves. Um, it's, we've, we've, we've lost this, um, it is to a great extent, not in, not totally, but to a great extent, we've lost the spirit of exploration and wonderment. Um, we've just become so materialistic, so into ourselves that when something like this extraordinary occurs or paranormal to quote a phrase, when something like this happens, I think, um, people just react differently now. And I think it's, you know, on the increase for whatever reason, I think there's, there's something going on. Um, I think it's, it's increasing for a reason and that what that reason is, I precise at this point, I don't know precisely, but I, I agree with you. There's something, there's something going on, um, because we're having more and more cases of, uh, demonic against, you know, demonic cases that are coming out, more cryptic cases are coming out and creatures that, uh, that haven't been, you know, reported. You know, yeah. But I don't know that it's so. Okay, so a slightly different take. I don't know that it's actually increased. I think that with social media and the internet, I mean, think about it. Fifty years ago, if you said, "Oh, I saw this werewolf thing," or or or, or whatever, someone would thought you lost your mind. And, and still today, uh, Dogman is not as well known as as Bigfoot, right? Bigfoot's almost a given. Everyone knows who who Bigfoot is. A pop culture phenomenon, um, but Dogman is not. Um, I'm not sure that it's actually increased or if because more folks are connected and can come forward that it's become more acceptable or people are more apt to tell you their story because they don't feel that they're insane because they have heard that someone else has had a similar experience. So there's also that take on it as well. Well, yeah, because social media has made it to where used to if you wanted to learn about any of this stuff, you had certain authors like Brad Steiger, you know, you would go and you would read their books and that's how you would get the information. Um, I'm an avid reader and I always have in history and the paranormal have been subjects that I have delved into for a long, long time. Um, most of my stuff started like after what I saw and then, and then from there it was kind of, and then there was a lull where I didn't really, didn't really interest me until I lived in a house that was full of fun and then I, I turned to try to figure out what was going on and why is this happening? And, you know, and you, you try to find answers and yeah. And so, but I, I, I wasn't real up on the uh, internet or anything like that, you know, and I had a uh, friend and ex and an ex-girlfriend who told me, Hey, you know, there are people that are seeing these creatures all the time. It's not some localized thing. You know, and then that led me to, uh, I think, Linda Godfrey. I found her books very interesting. And then I had my story, <clears throat> and I always thought I should tell this story, but I'm not good at, at uh, typing. <laughs> you know, so I was like, I'm very, I'm very much an orator. I can speak, you know. And so when I met Vic, I was able to – he gave me a platform to speak. 
and to talk about a lot of the things that I had researched and I had learned over the years. But it seems like every time I learn something new, I feel like there's two other things that I don't know. And so, you know, it's just like you're constantly in this state of flux with this this whole uh, the dog man thing in particular. I mean, I just I just can't wrap my mind around it. I don't know what they are. Uh, you get different reports from different people of different types, you know, like in this area here, which is, I don't think it's a coincidence either that this area that we live in, they tend to look like quintessential werewolves. They have the, the, the hawks on the legs, you know, that they look, you don't really get any reports other than that. I mean, you, and you get the wolf like head, but you know, in some areas you get these totally different reports and there's something very similar, but they don't look like these. They just look totally different. I don't want to say totally. That's not the right word. But they look, you know, different, slightly different, I guess. And then sometimes they look wolfish, almost, almost like a bear, even, you know. Yeah, and, there, there's, there, there are different classifications of Bigfoot and Sasquatch too. And one of the one of the classifications is uh, it has a kind of a um, a snout. For instead of a face, human-like face, it has a snout. Uh, and historically, they could people could have been mistaking the Bigfoot with the Dogman because of, because of these different descriptions that uh, come out. So Dogman might have been around a lot longer than we might what might might believe. Yeah, and so, the legs too. I mean, like you get the leg, the reports of the straight leg, right? And and people think, okay, that's a Bigfoot because it's like this straight leg. And then, of course, you have the camp that believes in that there's some sort of genetic manipulation that went on between, like, a dogman and a Bigfoot, and they created a whole new species. But that goes back to what Sal was saying about UFOs and tampering and genetic manipulation, like, what they could be. Um, I know you said you worked with MUFON. Uh, can I ask you a question, Rick? How what Have you fielded reports? Oh, yeah. Uh, I've fielded a whole lot of reports. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. I was with them for about 10 years. Well, Five I mean, like, years. like specifically the fielded reports of like the the dog man Bigfoot uh, being a part of the uh, the uh, the UFO phenomena. Have you like and and if like with within those reports, I guess being even more specific, what were the descriptions given to you? Um, I've had one case in particular occurred in Smith Mountain Lake, Virginia, which is kind of the western part of the state. Um, it's kind of the foothills of the Blue Ridge. Um, these, this particular family, and this was, this was a, uh, case that, uh, um, got me to really looking into the paranormal more so than UFOs because it involved everything. This family was <coughs> experiencing, excuse me, experiencing, uh, crop circles in their yard or their, their fields. Um, they were experiencing uh, poltergeist type activity, orbs, um, Bigfoot type creatures, um, certain types of creatures that weren't visible, but they could hear them screaming at night. Um, that involved uh, UFOs, uh, the classic boomerang shaped type UFO, um, just about everything. Um, we stayed out there one time. We did a night surveillance with this family to see if we could, you know, document any of these things and i think uh, in the middle of the night i think it was like 12 or 1 o'clock there was a an orb that appeared in the in the corner of the kitchen it just it appeared and burst 
Um, we thought that was rather interesting. Um, there was a case where one of the neighbors saw a creature, a green creature with red eyes walking. Um, it looked like it had, um, what did he say? It looked like, uh, Spanish moss on its body and it gave off a foul odor and it was a very physical animal type of thing that walked up to him and he was trying to get in the door and he finally got in, turned around and it was gone. But this all occurred within an area of maybe five square miles, <coughs> but it had everything. Um, I couldn't, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's really hard to put your finger on these things because it gets so crazy, uh, the stuff that you investigate. I mean, it just gets really, really crazy, the stuff you hear and the weirdness, the weird factor that, that accompanies these things. It's just unbelievable. But that's that's one of the key cases that got me involved in the paranormal. Portals? Possibly. I mean, do you think that's what it was? I mean, these things could be coming and going through portals? I think there are certain areas of the planet that are more susceptible to these quote-unquote portals. Um, whether it's the environment, the electromagnetic fields that, that, um, that are, yeah, that are, that cause these things on the planet. Cause the planet, the, the magnetic fields around the planet are changing all the time. And if, if, it, if, it, if the environment or the magnetic fields or the energy fields are just such, and this is speculation on my part, are just such that, uh, it meshes, then they might create some type of quote unquote portal or, or, you know, bridge or, some avenue to come from one world to this world. I think that's, that's entirely possible. Um, I, you know, I mentioned earlier the book, the search of the skinwalker. Um, that's a very good book to read. It has, it's about a ranch in Northeastern Utah, um, that, uh, experienced everything, paranormal, poltergeist, Bigfoot, um, I think cryptids involving uh, wolf, uh, dire, dire, dire wolves, and all kinds of things. Yeah, Hunt for the Skinwalker. And uh, if anybody doesn't isn't familiar with it, it was a it was a ranch in Nevada. Or no, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Utah. It was a ranch yeah. in Utah, and George Knapp, I believe, was the author, wasn't he? Yes. And he is a, the the host of Coast to Coast. One of the hosts, uh, Nori being the main host. But I know that. Uh, a lot of the things that were going on there, it was just like this whole menagerie of weirdness. And it was like, they were seeing portals. They were seeing UFOs. Um, and all- I think it was, at the, I think the, 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 the rancher eventually sold his property to a guy by the name of Bigelow, who was a uh, multimillionaire developer in the, in the Las Vegas area. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with it now. I don't know what, I just know that it was supposedly in the path of the skinwalker, which to me, the skinwalker phenomena would have just been one tidbit of it. I mean, because there was so much other weirdness that was going on. You know, I think that there are places that are hotbeds for these this activity. It's all related. I mean, people try to put little categories, and there are people that are only into certain aspects of the paranormal, but it's all one big, you know. <clears throat> and it's really hard to put your finger on it. I think that to me, if you just look, if you step back and you look at the whole situation as one giant mosaic, you know, I think that if you see it, instead of looking at it in little, in, as each little individual picture, 
you'll see that what we've always just thought of as what was normal in the mundane, normal world that we live in, it's not that way at all. No, it's that not. That there is so much more out there to this world that, we, that we're living in <clears throat> and that we're, we were not really grasping the full 100% of this world and, and what, what, it, uh, what, what uh, makes it up. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that what we're seeing, you know, when we when we get into these conversations, you're dealing with all these different aspects of the supernatural, preternatural, paranormal, whatever you want to call it. You you're starting to see the big picture, you know, and that that these things all exist and that it's all there all the time. You just don't deal with it all the time. Right. If you lived your life in 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 your house and you never went outside, and say one day you went outside, then everything outside is going to look like something really weird and odd to you because you haven't experienced it, you know, and then it becomes normal as you acclimate yourself to it. That's kind of what is happening with the paranormal with people are starting to realize that this stuff's always been here. It's always there. It's not going anywhere. It's always happened. It's always been around, but people just kind of didn't talk about it because for whatever reason, it either scared people or they weren't able to grasp it or totally understand it. Right. You know, it, uh, it distorts their worldview and it destroys, it destroys their stable data is what it does. And once, once you do that, you know, it, uh, they just kind of click off psychologically. So people aren't uh, comfortable with what they don't know, what they don't understand. The unknown is, is scary. Another yeah. good, another good, uh, um, guest you might consider having on your program is uh, Dave Considine. He's a religious demonologist out of Connecticut. Um, he has some really And he had a dog good, man sighting too. Oh, he, he has seen everything. <laughs> he is uh he once he once he get involved got involved with demonology, he was a, a protege of, of Ed and Lorraine Warren. And uh, he got into some really heavy stuff and I'm not gonna you know relate what happened to him i'll let him do that but it might be a good idea to have him as a guest sometime he's got some really interesting stories well i'll tell you what get get it get if you give me his information like send it to me i know bobby we're me and you are friends on facebook rick i don't know that we are i can go back and check but i think we might be uh but if you're not send me a friend request if you're on facebook on social media and we can connect and uh, give me his information. Uh, send him my way. I'd love to talk to him. I'd love to interview him. I love to talk about this stuff. I could talk about this stuff all day, all night. It's just kind of like you know my passion. He also talks about the interconnectedness of this of these various types of paranormal, uh, cryptid type of situations, and uh, he's 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 very knowledgeable. Well, I think I think a big part of it too, and like we were talking about, you know, the devil and whatever. I believe that a part of the agenda is to keep it all separated so that yeah. you don't ever have all the pieces to the puzzle. Right. Because if you could put the puzzle together, it, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out that it's all part of one big, you know, agenda or mess, you know. So to keep it all like separated in little boxes and keep everyone bickering about what's what, that's a big problem. I mean, you know, and I've had feuds with other researchers and 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 uh just recently with other groups, Facebook groups, so because they 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 are very close to any sort of um, talking about anything other than a very like small part of this phenomena, and and I think that's unfortunate because when you close yourself off to an entire aspect of it, um, 
you know, you're never going to learn. You're never going to get the whole, the, the big picture. You're never going to get that, you know? And I do believe that it will be very hard for someone to ever capture any of these entities because I do believe that they have a mystical quality to them. Um, and I, and, and I, I, I doesn't mean that they can't be physical. It doesn't mean that they, the one that I saw looked physical. It doesn't mean that it's, uh, not physical. It just means that their nature is not grounded in this world. Right. You know what I mean? And I believe that that's a big part of it. Yeah. And Dave yeah. constantly talks about planet earth as being haunted planet. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he, I don't know if he coined the term or not, but he refers to it as haunted planet. And he says, every now and then, when you do this type of work, you know, you talk about uh, going out to the ocean, you don't know what's under the surface, what lies there. But if you, every now and then, when you do this type of work, it's like getting into a small boat with a glass bottom. And every now and then, you get to see a, get a little peek as to what's going on below the surface. And uh, it's, it's rather interesting, and it can be rather frightening at the same time. It uh, it will distort your worldview no like no other once you get a peek behind the curtain. Well, it's, it's funny that you call it the haunted planet because that was actually one of the names that we kicked around about calling our show. Because I wanted to call I actually wanted to call it haunted planet. That was my first choice. I kept saying haunted planet, and everybody was like, "No," because then that means that we're just they're going to think we're talking about ghosts, and that's it. And that's not the case. I mean, we're we're not just talking about ghosts. Um, so, you know, when I, when I chose that name, they kind of shot it down and I was like, all right, well, I'll go with the group here. And so we went with paranormal round table, but we kind of con- all compromised on that. But that's funny that you, that you say that haunted planet. Yeah, that's crazy. So I guess we've been going here for about three hours. My sound guy's over here about to fall asleep and he's giving me <laughs> the signal here. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Um, we got to get together and do this again and talk about more of your cases and some of the things that you guys have experienced. Um, I appreciate you coming on and being guests and, uh, listening to me and Sal, you know, fumble around with you guys <laughs> trying to, <laughs> trying to make sense of some of this stuff that, that, that we, you know, that, that we've experienced and stuff that you guys have, have uncovered because we're all in this together. I really believe that we're all in this together. It's unfortunate that so many people argue and bicker about what's what because I'm open to hearing anybody's take on it. It doesn't mean at the end of the day that I'm going to subscribe to what you believe 100%. You know, like you guys are Catholic. I'm not Catholic. I have no plans on converting or anything to Catholicism, but it doesn't mean that I'm not open to hearing what you have to say and taking it into account because I believe that every time you you conversate with someone – you take a little piece away, even if you don't totally believe it, you get a nugget from them, even if it's just a small nugget. But, you know, some people you connect with them and you get a lot more information. And I think Rick, you and Bobby, you guys, there's a lot, there's a lot of meat left on the bone here. So we're going to have to come back to this at some point and revisit these subjects. And I think we should stay in touch. And um, I would encourage you guys to, to join us on the Paranormal Roundtable group post things on there, you know, interact with others that, because you guys have a lot of information, you know, you have a lot of stuff to say. And, um, yeah, I think you guys should just keep going with what you're doing. Keep doing it. I think you're doing a good job. Thank you. Well, thank you. And, yeah, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pass along some info, the, the information for Dave and, um, and I've got probably another one of, um, my good friends, actually, we talked about the interconnectedness of this when I first started the uh, ghost group 20, well, 19 years ago now. 
almost 20 years ago, he was actually one of the, uh, one of the original members. And then he kind of split off because he was in the DC area and focused on the greater, you know, Washington DC area. He actually just wrote a book talking about the connections between all of this and the stuff happening. And it's, um, it's called a project rabbit hole. And it is a uh, very interesting and some of the correlations, I mean, he spent years researching this book um, and putting it together um, you would probably also want to read the book and then actually talk to him, uh, as well. I can send his name's Al Tyus and I'll send you his information too. And we, we would love to come back on, you know, anytime. And again, I think I'm a member of the, the paranormal Roundtable group and I subscribe to the, to the podcast. So I've got to catch up on some podcasts, but, uh, but yeah, this was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just keep in touch for sure. And when, I would like to, I'm trying to figure out a way like one day, I don't know. It's like you want to do all these different things, but I would like to one day, cause everybody has their own region. Like you guys are in Virginia, uh, Strickler, he's in Pennsylvania and you have all these different people in these different regions. DDoS, he covers North Texas and Oklahoma. And I, I try to keep up with everybody and what they're doing and in the paranormal world and try to make connections and, and Texas, central Texas in particular is kind of my thing. But now I'm getting reports from all over, you know, but I would like to have somebody in all these different places and all these different states so that when something comes my way, I could say, hey, you know, if if somebody's interested or they're down to have someone investigate it, because a lot of times people are just they don't want to they want to be anonymous. They really don't want to have people this it's still very much a stigma attached to, you know, your coworkers might look at you like you're crazy if you tell them, you know, um, they just don't want to give their names and things like that. But sometimes people will come along and they're willing to give their name. They're willing to, to be open about it. And I would like to have somebody in these different States, you know, that I can say, Hey, if they're close by you, um, you can investigate it. You can check it out. And if I get something from Virginia, I'd like to send it your way. Sounds great. Yeah, we pre- we would love that. Yeah, we're thinking about uh, the group is thinking about doing a, a uh, trip or an expedition to the Big Thicket. Oh, oh yes, Texas, definitely would be in, probably in the springtime. So the Big Thicket yeah. is a very, very, very deep woods, very haunted place too. Yeah, yeah, you guys will enjoy it. Well, I don't know if I would, but <laughs> I think you guys might have fun there. I try to stay out of the Big Thicket, but. <laughs> I'll drive through it, but that's about it. Yeah, we're not limiting ourselves to Virginia. We're going anywhere and everywhere that we can get answers. That so. sounds. There's a book actually that guy a guy wrote the book. It's called Into the Into the Big Thicket. I think it's called Into the Big Thicket. Sounds and familiar. He talks about the ley lines and how they connect to the Marfa line, ley lines. It's pretty good. Pretty interesting read if you guys want to read. It's not a real real big book, but it's a it's got a lot of interesting information in it. Um. But yeah, this has been great, and I really appreciate you guys coming on the show and giving us your time. And I thank you for reaching out to Sal. Like I said, my feelings are still a little bit hurt when you reach out to me. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. I don't really care. You reach out to either one of us, man. I'm just glad that Sal's actually, uh, you know, responding to people <laughs> because I was having problems. I was like, dude, I'm getting swamped here, man. And I was glad that he was actually telling me, hey, I got some people lined up for, for you know, to, to do the interview. And I was like, that's great because I am been the one kind of doing everything. And, you know, Sal has a lot of uh, other things going on, like in his personal life right now. So, you know, he's had some things happening. And so I cut him some slack. But you guys, I appreciate you guys reaching out and coming on the show. 
taking the time to talk to us and uh, you guys have a good night you too thanks a lot you too yes take care take care all right bye bye